Amen. Well, let me uh, invite you to turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning as we continue in our series, God at Work. Uh, Colossians 3 is where we're going to be at. If you're just joining us, we welcome you. Uh, normally, we're working our way uh, passage by passage through a, bi- uh, a book of the Bible, but for seven, eight weeks, we've paused and just said this thing that we're going to spend, uh, many of us, in different ways and in different seasons, 80,000 hours of our life doing. Uh, we just said this actually matters a lot to God. It's, it's not just what we do here on Sunday, but uh, really we're, we're going to see as much or even more what you do on Monday is, is what uh, really matters for us. And so we, we're just looking at this idea. Well, what does God have to say about work? Now, everyone knows that and has had experience with good bosses, bad bosses, good teachers, bad teachers, good coaches, bad coaches, right? We've all been under those kind of leaders, and we know that it's a world of difference. It's the difference between pursuing a particular education, whether the teacher was there for you or not, pursuing, continuing to pursue a sport or enjoying your job. We all get that. We can think about what makes a good boss, what makes a bad boss, and, and when you think about some of the, the bad bosses, uh, w- if we did a survey in this room, you would get probably some of the similar answers. That they're, they're in it for themselves. They, they're in it for, to get, you're, you're just there to serve them so that when things go well, uh, they look good. But, but if things go poorly, th- then you're to blame. And it's just so demotivating. And, and the opposite is also true. Everyone knows a a good leader, a good boss. Like there's something that goes beyond the job that you just want to do well because uh, you you love that person because they're for you. When things go well, they want to they want to give the credit to the team, and when things go badly, they they take the hit. Um, I I think of a a kind of a historical example of this. It's been a while that the series came out, but HBO miniseries uh, Band of Brothers. Anyone see that? Okay, so you got Captain Winners and uh, Lieutenant Sobel. Th- those are two examples of a, a really good one that, 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 that will go and fight for the troops and, and, and lay down his life for them. And his troops wanted to work for him. And, and then Sobel, who was in it for himself, his own rank, and, and it was just a, a debacle. So uh, I didn't have that in my notes, but there you go. Um, so you see what I'm saying? So we've all had that. Um, I was thinking about my first kind of real quite job after, after college. I got a degree in economics, and I knew I wanted to go to seminary, but in the meantime, I needed to find a job. So I went to the financial services industry, was a, a financial advisor, and I was working for this company. And my boss, she was a, a good boss. It's a spectrum, right? Like, no one's a perfect boss. No one's a terrible boss. But she, she overall was a, pr- a pretty good boss. She was just a few years older than me, so she's just trying to learn what it means to, to lead and, and all that. And, and and I, I, would, I would give her a positive score. Uh, but one day she called us into uh, her, her office and, and she, she's like, okay, I'm going to motivate my team. And so she had on the wall a, a, a poster and on the poster was a red Ferrari. And so she's like, you know, we, we all have to go after something in life. And so for me, I put this red Ferrari and that just represents, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard and I'm going to get the Ferrari. And I, I kind of laughed under my breath and everyone else on the team kind of rolled their eyes and, and 
And, and, but, but she was thinking, hey, if you just had something to go for, if you had the Ferrari, if you had the dream home, if you had the early retirement, then you'd be motivated to do your job. And so she was a climber, right? Like she didn't stay in that role long. She, she moved on to the next level, next level. And I kind of tracked with her for a while, but um, just in her early, late 20s, early 30s, and her husband the same, uh, one day tragedy struck and her husband was leading a construction company and he had a massive heart attack. And, and though he survived, like that just, that destroyed his business, that, that took her out. And, and I just thought in that moment, man, her whole world had been built around climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder, and so that someday the red Ferrari would be in her garage. And I just had to imagine in that moment, as she finally did come back to work and came into her office and saw that, she had to, she had to think, man, is this all there is? Is this really what I've been, is this really what work is, is meant for me? Like, because this doesn't even matter right now. I just want to have a family. I want my husband to survive in this moment. So, so we've got to have a better vision for work. That, that's the vision for work a lot of people have. It's a means to a particular end. And we've been in this series looking and saying, actually, there is a better vision. So, so in week one, we, we saw uh, that, that Genesis chapter one and two, that God created us, God was a worker, and as he created us, he tied that to our own work, that, that work has dignity and design and value uh, beyond just what it can get us in our garage. And, and that, that there are these moments that we've experienced, like we've all experienced it uh, where uh, there's, you step back and there's just a satisfaction, like a soul level satisfaction in the job you do. More than the paycheck that you get, more than the recognition you get, sometimes you do work and you're like, man, that feels good. And God says, yes, I intended it to feel good. That, that's that's the, the blessing of work. And then last week we saw, unfortunately, that's not the end of the story for that either. In chapter 3, uh, the curse comes on to work as a result of sin in the fall. And so this very good thing that God has given us work to do has a curse over it. And it's, the Bible described it as thorns and thistles. Through blood, sweat, and tears, there's going to be toil. And so we can easily start to think, man, work is only curse, but, but, but that's not the end of the story either. Uh, work has a curse over it. We do struggle. We do uh, have dissatisfaction. There is uh, this temptation to uh, emptiness in our work, uh, a frustration in our work, idolatry to rise up in our heart in our work, overwork and, and underwork. And yet that's not the end of the story either, thanks be to God. Today there's, there's a better vision. H- how does work get redeemed in light of how God created it, in light of the fall how does it get redeemed? Well, Paul's going to answer that question for us in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to really just zoom in on two verses, but I want to give some context here before we do that. So Paul is writing to the church at Colossae in the first century. Uh, if you're looking for it, uh, girls eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, in case you were wondering what that was about. That's how I remember it, right? How do you remember it? Okay, uh, 
We got some, something going on out there. But um, so in, in the book of Colossians, Paul is writing and he is uh, trying to encourage this young church, this new church to, to not get distracted, but to, to remember, uh, remember the truth, remember what's essential to who they are in this world. And so in Colossians chapter one, uh, he kind of gives the, the thesis of the whole book of Colossians in verses 15 through uh, 19. It says, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Talking of Jesus. And and Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. And, And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this is the the thesis. In, In short, Paul is just reminding the Colossians and reminding by extension us that that Jesus is supreme and and his supremacy is his sufficiency. All of life is found in him and through him and by him and is meant to be lived for his glory and in his name. That's the purpose of your life in every single area of your life. And so after Paul just gives this amazing statement, reminder of who Jesus is, in chapter 3, he begins to say, so if that's true, that Jesus is supreme and sufficient, how should we live? And he just helps us unpack very specifically in multiple areas how we should live. And so in chapter 3, he kind of is unpacking this in, in verse 15. Well, again, we're just giving context here. It says, and let the peace of Christ, the one who reigns over all, rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We just did that. So that's what we gather each week to do and hopefully you do that in your home. Verse 17. And whatever you do, and, and if you if you pull out the Greek in that, it, whatever means like, it means whatever. So it's, it's an all play. So whatever you do, think about the things you did in this last week. Whatever you do, think about the things you thought, the things you worked on, the, the, the conversations you had. In, in case whatever wasn't enough of a catch word, whatever you do in word or deed, so, so whatever you say, what, what, whatever actions, whatever verbs describe your last week and this upcoming week, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and then he gets really specific and he begins to break it down just into uh, our, the minutia of our lives. And so he talks about wives and husbands and children and fathers, but, but now we're getting closer to where I want to look at. In verse 22, it says, bond servants. Now, the ESV translates the word doulos, which often gets translated slaves into bond servants. And, and in fact, I think it's actually more accurate because in our mind, we, we think of slavery through the lens of uh, our nation's uh, horrific history in that. But, but that wasn't quite the, the case in the first century. Bond servants were indentured servants. 
So in some way, shape, or form, they, they worked themselves into such debt that they had to uh, basically be slaves for seven years. They, they would be set free, but, but it was bottom-rung stuff still. So bond servants. Now, Paul is addressing Christian bond servants, Christian slaves. Now, what do you think, Paul? What would you say? You'd be like, hey, get out of there. Take off. Get, go, go pursue your freedom. Like, no, but that's not what he says. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. He, he, Paul says basically, hey, bond servants, do a good job. Do a good job. You're like, wow, that, that, that seems kind of, it's not what we would say today. But then he, he flips it to the other side in, in verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, again, what would you say to masters? You'd be like, what are you doing? Let your bondservants go. But, but again, the, the system was different. That the, these people actually owed them a debt, and this is how they were paying off their debt. But, but he addresses Christian masters who, who felt like they had ownership over these people. And, and he says, Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This would have been radical, revolutionary. You treat them with dignity and respect as, as fellow image bearers in your service. And so here's the deal, and the reason why I wanted to point that out. Because this is kind of two extreme poles. Uh, none of us are bond servants or slaves, although we, we might feel like at times, man, uh, I have a real taskmaster that's really going after me at, at work, and uh, it's just really oppressive, but, but we're not there, and, and none of us are masters. Like, like, we may think we have control over these people, but we don't own these people. We don't, we don't tell them, uh, we, we don't control their lives, and so putting these two extremes out there, we find that we are on a spectrum somewhere in between the two. And because of that, what, what he's about to say uh, to the church at Colossae uh, lands on us and, and is for all of us as well. So just some context there. Back to verse 23. Whatever you do, again, he's from 17. Whatever you do, work heartily. Or, or uh, I think the NIV says, put your heart into it. Uh, put your whole heart into whatever you do. So that's the first instruction. Wh- whatever you do, wh- whatever station of life you're at, wh- whether it's in the home, the field, the factory, whatever you do, uh, if you're going to follow Christ, do it with your whole heart. And we're like, no. I don't, my, my, I, I would get it if I was like a doctor or maybe a missionary or, or, or uh, you know, a counselor or a teacher. I, I can get that. But I just, I just sell things and they're, they don't really, they're not, it's not that big a deal. Or I make widgets or I, I do all these things. But, but remember the word, whatever. It says, whatever you do, put your whole heart into it. And you're like, nobody does that. In fact, we, we kind of have a deal in the office. We're going to do not our whole heart thing. What's the bare minimum we have to do to keep our job and not stick out? Because if I went into work tomorrow morning and, and put my whole heart into it, man, that would put a target on my back. Everyone would hate me. And, and the boss would be like, look, you can all do this. Let's raise the quotas. I can't put my whole heart into it. And really, that just sounds silly because my job isn't that important. But Paul says, no, no, no. Whatever you do. See, here's the deal. We focus on, when it comes to our jobs, we, we focus on how much and where. Those are our top priorities. How much am I going to get paid and where, where am I going to do it? And we filter. But, but, but God, apparently, those are not his top priorities. 
God's top priority, we're going to see in this passage, is not how much and where. Though you can ask him about that and you can, you, you can pray about that. You can move to that. that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but his primary concern, first and foremost, is what are you going to do now and here? Not how much and where, but now and here. What are you going to do? And the first thing he says is put your whole heart into it. And, and we, we're like, no, we, we've kind of got this. We're great at not putting our whole heart into whatever we're called to. But, but he, he kind of is zooming out and showing why. He says, as for the Lord and not for men. He says, look, you, you, you can, what, whatever you do. And you're like, but it's not important. It doesn't matter. What, what's important is who you are before God. He's given you work. He's given you a, a calling in life. Whatever you do, do it as for the Lord and not for men. Again, we know how, how to do our work for men. Like, uh, if they're looking at us, we're, we're going to seem like we're really good workers. And we know how to, you know, have fake hustle. Like, we're, we're, we're fake hustling, right? Like, you know, it's late at night in the office and you, you want to convince your boss that you're really working hard. So you, you put your glasses down by your computer so they think you're still at work and you're just at the bathroom. You know, well, you all have those games to show, hey, I'm a hard worker. But, but in the end, it's just like, ah, I'm, I'm really just in it for myself. And, uh, you know, I can be in it for the boss if, if we kind of have a deal and, and not so much for the company or the, the, the customers if, if that helps me advance. But we know how to work for, for men, but, but he's saying, no, you, you need to learn how to work for the Lord. In fact, in verse 24, he really zooms out on this to, to show us what's at stake here. So it's knowing that it's from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You see how he just zoomed way out? So, so we do our work unto men because they, they write our paychecks and they, they determine our bonuses and our promotions. But it's a, it's a very small compartmentalized part of our life. And what this passage is saying is God does not look at our lives in compartments. He's not more concerned about what you do on Sunday morning than what you do on Monday morning. God is, is, is the one that also is the ultimate rewarder. Did you see that? You will receive an inheritance as your reward. I don't think we think enough about this. But, but Jesus taught this constantly. He who is entrusted with a little and shows faithful in that will be entrusted with a lot. A day is coming in eternity where you ha- have a job. And your job and your responsibility in eternity will be determined on, did you put your whole heart into the small things that God gave you now? And eternity is a long, long thing. So, so why would we give our heart and soul to, to a job that maybe will be there in two or three, four or five years when, when God is saying, I'm talking about eternity here and, and everything matters. See, God doesn't compartmentalize. We think, well, I could see why God would be concerned about my moral character. I could see him about my family or how I handle my money. But my job, my job isn't really that important. And he says, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are when you're doing that. And he says, you will receive an adherence. You are serving the Lord Christ. He he is reminding us that we have a, a bigger boss. We have the biggest boss. We have a really, really big boss. And the good news for you and for me as followers of Christ is our boss is a good boss. Remember what we said, what makes a good boss and a bad boss? Well, our boss is on the cross, going to the cross, living the life that you and I could never live. And on the cross, he is taking the blame that we deserve and bearing it himself. 
And, and on the cross, he is giving us the, 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 his righteousness that, that we didn't deserve. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. He's a good boss. And he is measuring our faithfulness in every area of our life. And it will have an eternal echo forever and ever and ever. So, what you do is not important as who you are, what you do. So I want to look at just three things, three truths that kind of spring out of this passage. I'll put them on the screen. First one is your work has eternal implications. We talked about that. You say, well, it doesn't feel like it. I, I, I make widgets. And, and no, your work has eternal implications because your, God is, is looking at your life and, and will judge your life and judge your faithfulness regardless of what you're called to. And so it has eternal implications. Um, next, how you perform at work is as important as where you work. How you perform at work is, that, is important because, again, God is, is, is sovereign over all and, and God uh, cares about your work. Not just your character at work. We, we should have good character, but no amount of good character makes up for shoddy workmanship. Christians should be the, the best workers, the best strivers. Now, that doesn't mean if, I, if I'm going to go in and get surgery uh, that I want to find a Christian doctor. No, I'm like, who's the best? And that's part of God's common grace to all of us, that we, we find the best. But if you're a Christian doctor, you're going to be a surgeon. It's not just about working on bodies. You're working on image bearers. But more than that, you're working uh, for the Lord. And so you strive and you strain and you study and, and you should rise to the top in your profession because your work matters. Not just your character, but your work matters. The actual work you do is, is, is part of God's providence, his sovereignty to, to show his goodness to the world. Think about it. No matter how far you drive this out, like thousands, millions of people were involved in doing their work in getting you into this place today. People that built your cars, People, people that service them, people that laid down the roads, people, architects that designed this place, sound engineers, like just millions and millions of people. It's, it's how God exercises his providence. So Martin Luther said, when, when the Lord says, we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he answers it. He answers it by the farmer that plants the seed. He answers it by the miller that grinds it. He answers it by the baker that bakes it. And then you have your daily bread and, and we all have a part to play for the flourishing of the world. So your work matters. It's not just about you. It's about your faithfulness before God. And, and we should be the best workers. Uh, number three, putting your heart into your work is a pathway for God to bless your work. I'd say it's a pathway, kind of like a, a proverbial truth. It, um, if you come to me and you say, God, I, I want God to bless my marriage. I say, well, great. God has laid, he designed it He's laid down some things for, for that to work. And so as you begin to uh, put these things in your life, if you embrace these principles, your marriage will, will be on a pathway to blessing. Well, I want God to bless my finances. Okay, great. God has a lot to say uh, about the kind of person he blesses financially. Begin to put these things in your life. It's the same thing with work. The, the pathway to having God bless your work is to put your whole heart into it and work unto him and not to men. That's, that, that, that's just, you, you don't even, 
I mean, that, that's how we succeed in that. So we want to lay down the pathway. We want to stand under the waterfall of God's grace in every area of our life and faithfulness, and we receive that. And so here's the question. Whatever you're called to, wherever you're at, tomorrow, what would be different tomorrow? Not, not next week, not next month, not next year, not for your life. I'm just saying, what, what if tomorrow you, you showed up and, to, and you decided, today I'm going to put all of my heart into my work for the Lord? And again, you're like, oh man, I've never done that. But, but tomorrow, uh, whether it's at school or uh, on the practice field or uh, in, in the factory or the field or the office, and you're, you're saying, Mark, I have five Zoom meetings tomorrow. I can't put my heart into that. Like, I, I know it's tough, brother, but you, you got to. Like, just tomorrow, what would it look like on a Zoom meeting to put your whole heart into it? People would be like, man, you have your camera on today and you combed your hair. Like, I don't know what it is, but whatever it looks like, what would be different going into your school, going into, like, how would you greet people differently? What would lunch look like? What, what would the afternoon look like? What would it look like if just tomorrow you did that? Well, let me, let me just share one, one story uh, to close this out here. I, I heard this story this week, and I thought that it captured it so well. So Bob is a, a Christian uh, construction he owns, like, does custom homes. And so uh, he has a crew in, in the construction world. There's, there's a lot of darkness, and, and he's just trying to be a light in that place. And <clears throat> so he said one day he was, he was out front. They were, they were actually pouring the, the driveway that day. And um, he, was, he said he was feeling kind of grumpy and tired and uh, just not, not really enjoying this. And we, we've all been there. That's the toil of work. And so he, he's sitting there on, on the steps and, and with his crew. And they're kind of waiting for the next thing to happen when, when the, they hear a big truck rolling up and really loud music. <clears throat> And they see that, that it's the, the, the Portageon truck. You know what I'm saying? Like the truck that cleans out the, the Portageon. And, and they all just kind of grumble. They're like, oh, great. This is this, this guy again. And, and so um, they're like, man, should we go inside? Because this is gross. Like, I, we don't want to be here with the Portageon at the bottom of the driveway. And, and, and you get it, right? Like, no one wants to go into there. But. Uh, he says, this guy gets out, and it's not the normal guy, it's a new guy. He, he's big, he's gruff, he's got tattoos all over the place, and, and his music's loud, and he gets out, and he goes to the back of the truck, gets the hose, and, and takes it in there, he takes all these tools, and they're just kind of watching this, and uh, he goes in there, and he's just like banging around, and he's in there a long time, and, and like, you know, when, you, when we try to go in there, it's like, can we hold our breath through the entirety of the thing? But, but he's in there for, for minutes, and he's got his tools, and banging around, and and they're just like, wow. And then all of a sudden, like, instead of the nasty smell that they're, they're used to, all of a sudden it becomes like a, a fragrant aroma. Like, it's smelling good. And so finally the guy comes out, and, and he's taking his hose back, and, and Bob gets up, and he walks over to him, and he's like, I don't know what you did in there, but it smells so good, I might want to go in there. And the guy said, oh, well, thank you. He said, you know, that, that last guy, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't serving you guys right. And, and we're going we're gonna to treat you right from now on. He's like, okay, well, great. And then the guy says, I do my work for the Lord. And Bob said, what? He said, I do my work for the Lord. And Bob was just like, speechless and stunned and the guy rolls up his stuff turns on his music it's actually loud christian music and he, he drives off 
Bob said he had to go back and, and sit on the, the patio again and, and almost tears were coming to his eyes because he's like, man, if he can do his work for the Lord. Now, surely this guy didn't dream one day he's going to be the Porta John guy. And, and maybe he had hopes and plans that someday I'm going to get out of this job. I'm going to go. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But on this day, in this moment, he did his work for the Lord. So here's the, here's the big idea. Here's the big takeaway. If Jesus is Lord of all, and he is, then Jesus is Lord at work. If Jesus is Lord of all, then he's Lord at work. And the way we can magnify Jesus the most tomorrow is we do our work unto the Lord with our whole heart. And may God make Redemption Parker and his church so invested for his glory and for the joy of all people that our light shines before men. And they see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. To that end, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word to us. Lord, we, uh, we need your help to do our work unto you tomorrow. So Holy Spirit, I pray that your active presence would stir in our hearts and minds, renewing us to this truth this morning. Lord, we, we want to honor you. And we know that we will give an account for every, every day of our lives. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servants. So Lord, our spirit, our our flesh doesn't want to do this, but we know uh, your spirit wants to honor you in all things. And so um, help us to learn what that means to surrender even tomorrow. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.